the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Last week, I began with, um, I was really teaching on this is the victory, and I started by looking at the nature of Satan. That's after giving you one or two scriptures and telling one or two funny jokes. Um, I explained the kind of enemy we have. We notice that he's defeated but smart. We notice that he has a kingdom. We notice that he hates you. Yeah, and you don't need to provoke him to hate you. So whether you say, no, I will not be prayerful, so that Satan should have nothing to do with me, no. He already hates you, right? And the reason he hates you has got nothing to do with your prayers. It's because his time is short, according to Revelations. We notice that he's a thief and a rebel. We notice that he's a liar. And then we, we notice that he always tries to come back. And then we looked, and also we noticed that he flees when resisted. If you've done establishment class, some of these things are in the classes. So if you want an in-depth teaching, attend our establishment class. Now, we notice that Satan still has the legal right to tempt you. He still has that. And the more you yield, the more it becomes demonic. Then we looked at how he attacks. One of the things we looked at is that he heightens emotions and desires to cause bad behavior. And I think that's the one we looked at, right? Did we also look at he fights circumstances around a person? We did. Did we look at discouragement? Did we look at heaviness? Okay, then we'll start from heaviness. But first of all, I was attending a court session the other day, and there was a certain... (laughs) There was a certain uh, Mr. Saulos. There was a certain Mr. Saulos. And apparently, he was in court for poaching. He was in court for poaching. He was found to have illegally uh, killed one of the animals from the national park. And so, in court, they asked him and said, do you know who owns all these animals? And Mr. Saulo said, the Zambians. So they asked him, why did you kill one? And he said, I decided to kill the one that's owned by me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Please don't go do that. <laughs> now, we're looking at a few... Uh, I've been trying to show you how Satan attacks. And you know what's interesting about Satan, from what I've noticed, uh, and why it's important sometimes to teach the way I'm teaching, is you know that the more you expose him, the more... Um, what word can I use? The easier it becomes to deal with. I'll give you an example. Just me doing one post on the dangers of sexual immorality, I don't know how many inboxes I've received and how many lives will be changed just because of that one post. But then sometimes no one wants to be very direct because we're living in a world that's now practicing political correctness. So anything you say can be offensive to one group, which can also be offended because of this group, which can be offended because of this group. So you have to be a bit careful. For those who are married, I did a document. Uh, I was working on it this weekend. You can hit us at the information desk and we'll give it to you. How to pray for your, like as a wife, how to pray for, your, for yourself as a wife. And then as a husband, how to pray for yourself as a husband. It will help you. Because marriage is very spiritual. Some of you have already received it, right? And the prayers are... <laughs> and the prayers are, are doing flames. Not so. The moment I posted it, like on my uh, WhatsApp, I got a message. Pastor Sa. When are you also writing one for how to pray for our girlfriends? <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Okay. So, one of the ways that Satan attacks, and I'm going to really take a bit of time on this because I want to expose him. And if any of you has been experiencing oppression, any of you has been experiencing torment, any of you has been experiencing uh, demonic maneuvers, by the time we're done today, there is no devil. There is no devil that can withstand the presence of God. We were in Ballaston over the weekend on Friday. And my God, the power of God was strong. The power of God was strong. And those who are oppressed by devils, we cast them out. I'll also try to answer some of the questions that have been coming in my inbox. I've been getting a lot of them. Pastor, so do you get scared when it says, and they're like, I'll try to answer a few of those. I, you, I know you've had them in your head. And yesterday I was watching last week's service with my wife and where there was a mighty deliverance. And you know what I noticed? I actually observed that I laughed. I found it very hilarious when the demon spirit was trying to intimidate. I laughed. I think I took a walk and laughed. It was funny. It was. It's like, have you ever tried to fight with a child? And then the child starts saying, Don't you think that's hilarious? That's how we treat demons. You don't treat them like they're your tribal cousins. You... <laughs> Okay, one of the ways that Satan attacks is called heaviness. Isaiah 61 verse 3. 
Isaiah 61 verse 3. And these are some of the silent ones that sometimes people don't recognize. Now, 61, maybe for, for context, I'll start from verse 1, but we'll look at verse 3 in essence. So it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do you know that the spirit of the Lord doesn't come upon you for nothing? The spirit of the Lord comes upon you for a reason. Those in and so those who mourn in Zion. Now, I don't know. That's very interesting because Zion is God's dwelling place. So there are some people who, you may have even been in the church, but you're not okay. The anointing is present to console those who mourn. And then look at what it does. It says to give them beauty for oil for oil of joy. Sorry, the oil of joy for mourning. And then it says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So there is how many of you, uh, what feeling do you get when you're praising? Like let's say the way it was today. Twimbe, tumulumbe. <laughs> I might ask for that song again at the end of the service. Right? There was something that I was doing. Now, the opposite of that is the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of heaviness. I believe every believer should walk with a spring in their step. Well, when you're taking a walk, you know, the, you know how your walk should be. Have you ever, um, you know one of the most underrated feelings in the world? As much as, <laughs> let me tell it to you, secretly, in case they've never told you. One of the most underrated feelings in the world is to go to a wedding or to an event, and then you just started driving. And then as you are parking, they're like, people you know. Now, no, hold on, hold on. I'm not even done. I even lean back a bit. And then when you enter, here is the best part. You enter. And then the MC goes like, I'm the owner of BC, BCD 9234. Kindly go and check. Have you seen the way people get up in that moment? Like, ta. <laughs> You don't know the feeling. Anyway. <laughs> and then they have that humble look like when they're about to invite the guest preacher. Yeah. But anyways, I believe every believer should walk with a spring in their step. Because the garment of praise, if the garment of praise is on you 24-7, how do you think you'll be 24-7? 7 to be, every time you've got a free moment, joy, joy, joy. In my heart is ringing. 10, 20, 30 minutes later. I remember when I was about, I think when I was 16, 17, when I was working um, at a certain place, one of the, the, the gentleman who was, uh, there was a gentleman who was always on books, doing calculations, always on books. So I thought maybe he's writing a math exam or something like that. Or maybe something like that. So one day I asked, like, ah, nanga, all these books you're always calculating. So, anyways, uh, he was calculating lotto. So he would like study the winners. <laughs> <laughs> so he would study, he would study the numbers and 
and the like and I, I don't know what formulas he was doing and yeah okay so <laughs> sorry that's just how I remember him and so one day he sat me down and says I've got a question for you how come you're always doing this and he decided to demonstrate it like every time you're entering the office you're walking like this and then when it's lunchtime and you're leaving, whether it's being excited about the food or whatever, but you'll be walking out like... You're out there working and every five minutes, if you, like maybe every moment if you want to maybe walk out maybe to the restrooms or something, you'll still go... That's the question he asked me. And I, I didn't even realize I was doing that. But joy... <laughs> you know what joy can do? <laughs> joy can make you dance even in the hard moments joy joy brings a spring in your step and the opposite of that is the spirit of heaviness what am i trying to say if every day feels like uh today is a new day but uh where is my sunshine and the like if every day feels like that oh by the way i like that song it's a, it's a nice one it makes you smile so uh <laughs> You didn't get the pun. So, um, if every day feels... And, no, just think about it. Can you imagine what... Uh, it may sound funny here, but it's, it's, it's not right. Imagine every morning just feels like... Every day is... Like, even as I'm having back problems, because you're always like this. And every day just feels like, oh, it's another day can't wait for it to end so that I can just sleep and waking up feels like ah oh, I woke up I should have just died yesterday and there's nothing you look forward to not even Bawan ice cream which may be my favorite right now nothing you look forward to nothing you look forward to not church not um no work sometimes, but nothing you look forward, not even knocking off, nothing you look forward to, that could be an indication of an attack. Like where Satan is attacking you with a spirit of heaviness. And God recognizes that. And what does he want to give you? The garment of praise. Well, when you get up in the morning, yeah, the sun comes up, it's a new day dawn. It's time to sing your song. Again. And did you notice that that's, that was the case with what, what joy do you think uh, Paul and Silas had? They've been whipped. And they were not whipped with these funny things we whip with horse pipes and whatever. No. Those guys, those guys used to beat animal teeth all that kind of stuff. They've been whipped. They are injured. It's been a bad day. And they were whipped for doing a good thing. And then they get up at midnight. And I, I'm pretty sure their voice that day was cracky. It was, their voice that day probably there was even a lot of chili. And they're like, what, you survived? Yeah, I did. What about you? How are you feeling? And maybe the other one, the leg is like this. The other one, the hand is like this. And they're like, are you ready for us to praise? And they're like... <laughs> Let's begin. 
And can you imagine what manner of what manner of spirit that was to have such joy that knows no bounds? I used to remind myself of that sometimes, especially when I was in school and maybe you get a bad grade and you want to take it out on God. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> who's ever had that moment? Like a grade wasn't that nice, so that day, you won't worship him forever. <laughs> that day you will sing a song that focuses more on you. Not really on his love, just focuses on how you are the one. Who's observed that there's that tendency sometimes? Well, the focus becomes me, myself, and I. Like, you sing a song that goes like, anyway, even though I've got problems, the focus becomes you. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it can be some form of idolatry. So now, there's the spirit of heaviness. Heaviness is one way in which he attacks. Another way he attacks is an attack on one's physical body. I want you to see Luke chapter number 13 and verse and you know that if you are filled with the spirit according to Ephesians 5 one of the, sign, one of the signs is you'll be singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and then if you are full of the word, according to Colossians 3, what will happen? You will sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Except that one adds on making melodies in your hearts to the Lord. You find that in Colossians 3 from verse 16. So meaning it should be normal for there to be melodies. Melodies. Ask your neighbor, what's the latest melody in your heart? No, don't give them one for now. I'm just curious. What's the latest melody in your heart? Tell them, to, tell them to hum it or to sing it for you right now. Everyone sing your melody. I can't hear any singing. I said, everybody sing your melody. Okay, fine. You want a choreographed one? Blow your trumpet. That's how you blow your trumpet. <laughs> a bit of a car something come on somebody blow your trumpet no 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 blow your trumpet so after church before the greeting for today when you want to say hi to someone is blow your trumpet <laughs> and before they say anything they have to go it's normal every believer should have a melody in their heart Praise God. And it's also one way you meditate on the scriptures. And in case you didn't know, a joyful heart is serious in spiritual warfare. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's very important in spiritual warfare. It helps you keep your composure. Praise God. Okay, I need to go to the next point. I was on Luke 13, right? There's like a praise inside of me. There's a praise. There's a praise. Second, Luke 13. Let's look at verse 10. Luke 13, verse 10. No, let me try to... Hey. <laughs> Have you ever been boiling with praise? You're like... Hey. 
Okay, verse 10. Verse 10. Maybe after Okay, after this verse, after this verse, Luke 13 verse 10. Okay. Some people here haven't laughed in a long time. You don't remember the last time you laughed. No matter how funny a joke I tell in front, you just sometimes just take a chance and just laugh. The Bible says when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream, and our mouths were filled with laughter. Woo! heaviness was breaking. Luke 13 and verse 10. Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible says now he was teaching this should have been the last point. Eh? Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Uh-huh. And behold, there was a woman. I want you to notice this and notice the exact words. Now Luke was very meticulous and Luke was a physician. So he would be very deliberate about what he would say. And so he says, Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. So medically, this is probably some form of scoliosis, right? So he could have easily written, There was a woman with scoliosis. He was meticulous in that way. He could have just written, there was a woman with scoliosis. But then he says, there was a woman with a spirit of infirmity. And that spirit of infirmity had lasted a particular period of time. 18 years. Meaning there is a day it entered. There was actually a specific day when it entered. Most likely she wasn't even born with it. There was just a day. Something happened and it entered. And it says, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, woman... You are loosed from your infirmity. So it's not the scoliosis you rebuked, it's a spirit. In ministry class, one of the things you should learn is when it's a spirit and when it's the body. Usually start with the spirit. Everything else will be easy. Have you ever had a case where you're praying for somebody and the pain was here, then it moves to here, then it moves to here? Usually that's a spirit. Let's continue. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. So notice that he did two things. He first ministered deliverance, then he ministered healing. So he laid his hands, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Let's continue. 
And the rulers of the synagogue started talking about, hey, the Sabbath, hey, shan, shan. And there's always people who, with any miracle, with anything supernatural, they'll have something to say. There's always something to say. And then look at what Jesus said should be the focus. Go to verse 17. The Lord answered, first 16. Uh-huh. 16 is a very good point. Maybe 15. Where he said, hypocrite. The Lord answered him and said, hypocrite do not each one of you on the sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the store and lead it away to water it you know what the lord jesus was saying there the lord was saying people usually apply laws where it's favorable to them that's what they like to do and then next verse so he says so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, focus on this, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Praise God. So I want you to notice something. Jesus makes a statement. He says, this woman, whom Satan has bound, and he says, think of it for 18 years. So meaning there is a day when the bondage started and there is a day when the bondage finished. There was a specific period of time which even Jesus acknowledged in the spiritual realm that something had happened on that specific day. Now listen, I may not know when any bondage started for any person who's listening to me or who's under the sound of my voice right now, but I'm here to announce to you that the expiry date is a day called today. That's the expiry date. It expires today. Praise God. Let's continue. So there's Satan can launch an assault on a person's physical body. And you find the way spiritual things work is this. Two people could have gone to the very same hospital, diagnosed with the very same thing, given the same medications, but for one person the medication is working. For the other one, the medication is meeting an interference, which is spiritual. And that's what we're going to deal with. I hope you're hearing me. And spiritual things can work like that. John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. Now, another manifestation of Satan are called strongholds. Who's ever heard of strongholds? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5. I'll tell you a few more. I'm still going. By the time we're done today, everything will be exposed and dealt with. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds. Next verse. Give me the next verse, please. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The way strongholds work is as follows. Strongholds are fortified grounds which are difficult to break into. So they work as a mindset. 
as a result of maybe sometimes it can be upbringing, sometimes it can be culture, sometimes it can be behavior, sometimes it can be experiences. And then when these strongholds become demonic, they provide a safe hub for demonic activity. And they often manifest in a very strong thinking pattern. So a person can develop good strongholds, which are godly, and Satan can enter. Or sometimes they can develop demonic ones, which produce imaginations that always fight what God is saying. So for example, let's say we're having church right now. And I'm saying in the name of Jesus you are blessed and in your mind you're thinking, yeah, everybody else, not me. Then there's already something that's beginning to develop in your head. God is going to use you. Yeah, he'll use that one, not me. You don't know where I've been. It can be developing into a stronghold. And you find a spirit of, of condemnation can then be attracted before you know it. Another tool of Satan that he uses to attack is what are called lies. Lies. And I'll show you how this one manifests. It wasn't in my notes last week, but I felt a need to write it down yesterday. Sometimes it's for the sake of one person. You never know who's going through an issue. We read last week when Jesus described Satan, he said he has been a liar. John 8 44, when you're speaking to some guys, he says, You're of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. I think when you use the King James, it says he speaks his native language. For he's a liar and the father of it. That is why, for those who sent in a question, why I don't interview demons. That's why. Those things can lie. Ha! <laughs> there, was this, there, was, there was a place, I've forgotten the area, and then there's a demon that manifested, as in it manifested. And so I think it was one of the, I've forgotten who, but one of the elders was the one casting it out, and they had mics and the like. You were doing Danny. Then the demon spoke, hey, did And then the demon answered, Wabusa. <laughs> <laughs> now you're the pastor what do you do <laughs> there was another case that brought a lot of controversy because this one was on TV and what happened is there were two churches that were meeting like in similar places and they had similar times on TBN like one is at 21 the other one is 21.30 so and you know how demons are so one of the other ones was casting out a demon live on TV. And first the demons will start say, first, you know how they'll start? They'll start by pampering you and praising you. Me, I've been in many churches. No one has been able to cast me out. It's only you. you in, this, in, in the world, there's just this one and then there's you. In Zambia, you're the only one who can cast me out. You're the, you're the senior territorial uh, principality of this nation. What happens? Your shoulders up. And what does a demon do? They asked who sent you. I mentioned the name of the other pastor who's got the other time slot. <laughs> and so before you knew it, there were issues. Why? How? 
and listen to demons. When they want to put up a show, I'm telling you they will put up a show. They will put up a show. Are there some ministers who've done it that way and achieved good results? Yes. I do think that for some of them, their specific calling was to expose Satan. So you'll find there's even an authority that they carry. But then that doesn't mean that's everyone's calling. Ideally, don't start playing games with demons. Okay, now tell us what to do. Oh no, do this, do this. No, no. Okay, then get the flower, put here, put the Bible on the head. Guys, don't start playing games with demons. Cast them out. Those things can lie. Many issues in families have been caused by demonic spirits. You find people go and consult a certain somebody in a hut who's supposed to make you rich. And then they go and consult the person and the person will say the reason things are not working in your life is because of that one. So before you know it, there's so much hatred in the family because you're consulting the wrong people. You're consulting liars and what do you think they'll spend? And here is the thing. Even if they are to tell you something accurate, it's not true. How do I know? Have you ever read in Acts 16? Look at this. Acts chapter 16. Don't consult witches, witch doctors, whatever. Don't do that stuff. Sometimes I'll have somebody come to me saying, Pastor, pray for me. You know, as a family, they had gone to consult and were told, I think I should pray. Because the family, I, I, I should pray about what the witch doctor said. You know what? Do you know what I would be doing in the spiritual realm if I did that? I'm making that witch doctor my master. By the way, some of them hide with the name prophet. So Acts 16. Look at verse 16. Let me just, no, verse 12. Not, ev not everyone. You can't have people coming to knock on your door and all they are seeing is negative things. And then afterwards, somehow, everything is connected to a certain seed you're supposed to sow. And so for for this kind of witch to be dealt with, you need to sow this. For this other one to be sowed this. There are some families right now who are in bondage, not even to a spirit, they're in bondage to a, to a, to a so-called pastor who keeps milking them of money in exchange for demons they keep dealing with every week. I know what I'm talking about. And somebody has to talk about these things. And their visions are always negative. Always negative. And usually their healing miracles don't work. Verse 13. No, usually the person still ends up dying, if you've noticed. I know what I'm talking about. Now, verse 14. I, I, I'm looking for Paul and the, the little girl. I'm on the right verse. Uh -huh. Now, it happened as we went to prayer. This, is a, this is, has to do with the Apostle Paul, right? And his Luke writing. That a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by her fortune telling. Now, there's a difference between somebody who's a scammer and somebody who's got the spirit of divination. It's a bit different because with the spirit of divination, there are certain things they can be able to see which are accurate. They will see in the spiritual realm. But it's about the source, right? And so the aim now was this thing was now being... Um, and by the way, even if you've got a genuine prophetic gift, the moment it becomes merchandised, you're in danger of entering fortune telling. Because it was simply merchandising. By the way, if you had to study Isaiah and see the sin of Lucifer, have you noticed that the sin of Lucifer was uh, merchandising? Okay, that's a story for another day. Let's continue. Verse 17. 
This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. Question, was that accurate? But was it the truth? Why the source? Notice, the, the, girl, the spirit keeps saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. You think Paul would be like, yeah, you see? We're anointed, even the devil knows. <laughs> and stuff like that. Next verse. Look at the next verse. And this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit. Meaning, as it was speaking, because of the source, Paul was feeling it as an oppression. And then greatly annoyed, he turned and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. And the masters were angry. Now, here's the thing. In the way things work in the spiritual realm, if Paul had continued preaching and people said, ah, actually what that spirit said was right, then who's on top of who? So you don't go consulting which doctors over stuff. Consult God. You don't go consulting which doctors over stuff. Not every grandma and grandpa have done bad things. Not every uncle and auntie is against your marriage. Not every rich person in your family sacrificed your riches. of them just worked hard. Maybe you should just call a family meeting. They come and do a motivational talk and, and explain how to get wealthier. If your first approach is suspicion, you'll never walk in discernment. Discernment is for those who are willing and ready to see everyone as somebody Jesus died for. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you're hearing me. I hope you're hearing me. Are there some people, especially of the older phase, who had used certain things? Yes, some did, but main, most of them did so in ignorance. Many of them, that's the only way they were taught. Is there no gospel for them? Is there no salvation for them? Is there no message that can reach even them? In the scriptures, once people heard the gospel, they threw away their stuff. So if you're listening to me and perhaps that's been the habit and stuff like that, you can come through. Let's talk. Perhaps if you think there are certain challenges being caused, if there are certain decisions you made due to whatever some witch or whatever said, come through, let's talk. We can handle that kind of stuff. And if you've got things that you've kept, throw away those things. Throw them away. If you don't know how to, we'll do it for you. Do you know how we throw them? We get them and we throw them. <laughs> I remember there's somebody who brought some to the office and they were like, Pastor, you're even touching it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I said, where are you going to throw it? I said, I'll go throw it home. <laughs> I put it in my bag and I went home. <laughs> I threw it. Life goes on. So now... <laughs> Hallelujah. By the time I'm done, you go back and go build houses in the village where they told you that if you build things will happen. Go, go back and go build them. 
And then when they ask, how did you build? You say, I went to Wanga, Twapa, Luafie. I don't know what zone I've come in today. <laughs> I, blame, I blame the sweet service of Zion. Okay, let's look at a few other things. So, no, still on lies. Here is how it manifests. It manifests in people suddenly accusing you, right? Look at Luke 22, verse 53. Jesus says, when I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Notice when the power of darkness manifested, what you saw there as Judas, we saw that for Judas, Satan entered him. And it wasn't just Judas. Everyone, the power of darkness was manifesting. And when the power of darkness manifested, what was one of the first things we saw? Accusations. Accusations. You are this. You said this. You did this. And I sense this strongly yesterday. That's why I added it. Perhaps there's somebody here who's been going through very unfair accusations. Very unfair accusations. I don't know where they are coming from. That ends today. I pray in the name of Jesus. May God justify you. So notice it manifests as accusations. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. So one of the things you try to do is to get people to accuse you, to get people to hate you, to get people to think of you a certain way. That's what he tries to do. It's a spirit. Do you know that any time, do you hear of these things where maybe somebody took funny photos or was in a funny video, any of those things. And in Zambia, it's been happening for years now, right? You know, any time that happens, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. And remember what I explained yesterday? One, yesterday, last week. <laughs> One, be careful because a number of people are falsely accused. And there are others who, what inspired them, who then want to embarrass them and mock them. Don't participate in demonic behavior. Don't participate. If for you, what if for you your calling is that those are the only people that you ever preach to? Don't ruin that opportunity through your social media. You can find the day they were supposed to reach out to you, they found your status. Which was mocking them. Don't throw stones at the woman you're supposed to help. Write on the sand instead. So <laughs> don't do that. Sometimes people help Satan. Don't do that. Okay. Another way he will attack is through, I think I talked about heaviness. One of the things that then happens is sometimes to spread the spirit of fear, you find there'll be nightmares, there'll be... In Timothy, we are shown that there is actually a spirit of fear. And it can manifest in so many ways. And so you are listening to me and maybe you are troubled at night. You are struggling to sleep. You are struggling to do all those things because you keep getting tormented. The Bible tells us he gives sleep to those he loves. Let me say that again. The Bible says he gives sleep to those he loves. If you've been struggling to sleep, perhaps due to anxiety, due to depression, due to I don't know how many thoughts... Or maybe you're always afraid of nightmares. You're always afraid of the dark. You're always afraid of this. You're always afraid of that. And um, because of that, you're now struggling to fall asleep. The Lord who gives rest. The Lord who gives sleep to those he loves. 
for you the miracle will be that tonight you will sleep. Now, please, you need to go for work tomorrow. So, um, and you know, you know the kind of blessing you experience where your sleep becomes restful. Where even if you're sleeping four, five, six hours, you wake up. Da, da, da. You even do like a dance move as you're waking up like. Dun, 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 dun. May your sleep become restful in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not done. I'm talking. Another thing that I have observed that he tries to do is to bring about repetitive patterns. How many of you have noticed when you study the book of Judges that the Israelites kept doing the same things over and over again? Like it's almost like you're reading the same story. And then when this judge died, the Israelites then turned to the bows. And they would always turn back to the very same gods that they neglected before. And remember I told you that sometimes you can try to fight circumstances, right? So you'll find you're dealing with a family and every man just dies at 30. Before you know it, a spirit of fear starts spreading. And when a person reaches 29, they're thinking, so this is my last year. I'm telling you. You find you're dealing with a person and then every time someone wants to ask them out, they just lose interest at the last minute. Now, I'm not saying that it's always demonic, but you know what Satan can do? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sometimes the story travels. Now, I'm not saying it's always demonic, but do you know what Satan would do? From what I've observed. I'm telling you this as a pastor. I'm telling you this. Sometimes you'll find something happened once, twice, and then Satan will plant a thought, and then there'll be a spirit of fear, and then before you know it, that spirit of fear begins to magnetize and pull that kind of person. And I'm telling you, guys, I'm telling you, sometimes the way that you find someone, if they're to calculate, it's always in the third month of the relationship. He wants to create a pattern. So he wants you, he wants you to endorse it. He wants you to endorse that pattern. Which brings me to the next point in how he chooses to manifest. I'm really talking today. No, I, I'm reaching the solutions. I'm reaching the solutions. I just want us to know. I think if I was writing this as a book, I would say the things that pastors know. Because there are some stuff we get to deal with. One of the other manifestations functions as a curse. As a curse. Can I say something about curses? Okay. Firstly, I don't know if you know that curses are there in the Bible. They're there. The worst are when the curse comes from God. And then somebody comes to me for prayer. Ha! Ah, I should do what? There are ways a person can get themselves to be cursed by God, by the way. I give you an example. Fighting the gospel. You become an enemy of God. But that's not the point I'm dwelling on. Let me just show you an example of how curses can function. When Balak was hiring Balaam, what did he want Balaam to do? To curse Israel. To cause spiritual force 
against Israel for them to be weak in their battle by uttering certain words. And when he utters those words, Israel somehow becomes weaker. And then God took over the situation and Balaam ended up blessing Israel. Very interesting scenario. But let me just show you. Because there's a part where man can play a role in this. Genesis 49 verse 5. How many of you remember Jacob? How many sons did Jacob have? Twelve. And then there was a period when he was dying, he decided to bless and in some way <laughs> curse his children. And the Bible says Simeon and Levi, this is Jacob speaking, are brothers. Notice the word Levi. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. The guy had remembered he kept it for them. Allow me to mention, and it's a dear appeal to parents. Forgive them. Forgive your children. Don't, don't, go, don't go with it. Forgive them. Correct them, but please forgive them. Look at what Jacob says. He says, let my soul, let not my soul enter their counsel. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger, they slew a man. And in their self-will, self they hamstrung an ox. I think these guys had slain an entire village or something like that. Next verse. Where they, cursed be their anger, for it is fierce. And their wrath, for it is cruel. I'll divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Is somebody following? So who are those? Simeon and? Okay. Got the book of Exodus. Verse chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. Exodus 2, verse 1. And the man of the house of Levi went and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. Next verse. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. And we know which child this was, right? Moses. So notice Moses was of that lineage of Levi. What was Moses down for? His anger. Why? Because his anger was cursed. And notice that Moses' anger is what ended up... Firstly, that's where he killed the Egyptian. Secondly, the promised land, what happened? He got angry, hit the rock when he was supposed to speak to it. But his anger had already been cursed. I'm giving you an idea of how Satan works. He can take advantage of anything. And so, Joshua 6.26. Do you remember the Nafiwe? The Jericho? Remember that prayer? Do you remember that Joshua uttered some words? Joshua 6.26. Joshua 6.26. Then Joshua charged them at the time, saying, Cursed be the man 
before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn and with his youngest shall set up its gates. You didn't read that part, eh? First Kings 16, verse 34. 1 Kings 16, verse 34. 1 Kings 16, verse 34. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segab, he set up its gates, according to the word of the Lord, which he had been spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun, for him to lay up Jericho, his firstborn and his lastborn had to die. Because there was a curse functioning. Can I explain something here? Now, for starters, I want to show you something very quick. Proverbs 26, verse 2. Proverbs 26, verse 2. It says, Like a fleeting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause shall not alight. So for starters, there's a rule that's been given. That one, there's no curse without a cause that can alight. So if somebody is to go out there and say, hey, let me just curse Frederick. It's not possible. Before we even reach the new creation part, it's not yet possible. And then somebody would say, what about paying for the sins of my forefathers and fathers and fathers and fathers? The stuff I'm giving you will really help you. Look at Jeremiah 31, verse 30. Jeremiah 31, verse 30. Maybe from verse 29. Are you glad I'm teaching you this stuff? Okay. In those days, they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Verse 30. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on the edge. In short, what Jesus was, what, what the Lord was communicating is that there was going to be a period that was coming, and that period is now, where each person will be accountable for themselves. It will not be about because my great-grandfather did this. No, each person will be accountable for, for themselves. One person came to me and said, Pastor, you need to pray for me. I said, why do I need to pray for you? In my family, everyone just gets pregnant by the age of, uh, without getting married, everyone will get pregnant at this and this age. I'm like, okay, then just don't get pregnant. Since I'm not sure <laughs> what you want me to do about it. <laughs> There's only one way to get pregnant, so you might as well just not do it. <laughs> now, why am I bringing this stuff up? Someone may say, Pastor, are you contradicting yourself? No. Satan is a thief and is a rebel. Even if this stuff is true, if you don't learn to enforce it, he can try his best to bring it up. And that is why the only way to fight a curse, there are two ways. The only way to fight a curse, I'll tell you two ways. Number one, 
the blessing. You can't fight anything you believe you're under. So meaning if you walk and every day you say, okay, you know, us who are under a generational curse, you know what's going to happen? You're always going to be under it. Because you're acknowledging it as your Lord and you keep speaking about it. But the moment you start saying, I am blessed, if there's anything even remotely looking like that, that's trying to fight you. Already now there's a fight that has, uh, is now curse versus blessing. And light always triumphs over darkness. You can't fight you can't fight those things without acknowledging and knowing the place of the blessing. That's why we teach the way we do it. It's actually warfare. The second one is mercy. Let me explain what I mean. When I say mercy, I mean because there are some curses which have a cause. For example, do you know that there is a curse? For interfering with someone's marriage. There's a curse for that. I'm, guys, I'm telling you the truth. Don't play around with those things. It's a holy thing. God said what, what? It's Jesus. Jesus. No one else. Jesus himself says what God has put together. Let no man put asunder. So listen, whether if you don't care about his wife or you don't care about his family, care about your soul. Care about your soul. I, I don't know if you're hearing me. Care about your soul. Somebody would say, Pastor, but okay, what if in the days of my ignorance I had fallen prey to that? Or even when I knew better. James chapter 2. Like I said, a curse in that case can attract a judgment, right? So James chapter 2, verse 12. It says, For judgment. Is that James? Is that chapter 2? I mean that Give me verse 13. Verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. And it says mercy triumphs over judgment. So now in the case of someone would say okay so pastor what about look I went astray like A, B, C, D and did one, two, three, four. Firstly, do those things attract curses? Yes, they do. Okay? That's why when we talk about the salvation article, we know what we're talking about. Why? Because when a person decides, Lord Jesus, here's how it works. In those days, if a person is owing three million kwacha and then they go to another person and give themselves as a slave and they say, from today... I am your slave, you are my master, or you are my lord. It means I'm giving up all my assets and my liabilities, and I'm now coming under your lordship. That way, if I was owing three million, then the lord is now the one owing three million. And what did the lord do? The lord put himself on the cross and paid the ultimate price. And that's why you look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Is somebody following me? Verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse. 
So Jesus on the cross didn't just become sin. He also became a curse. So the very filth that's associated with everything that's supposed to be cursed, he became it. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. So at the cross, he became a curse. Now, why am I saying that? Because do you know that uh, you'll find, here's a person that repented, the new creation and the like. The moment one thing goes wrong, the first voice that they'll hear is, it's because you used to do this. You shouldn't even pray. God, why would God answer you? You will not be able to silence that voice of accusation if you don't understand these laws and these rules. If you've been a believer and you've been practicing these things, repent of it today and ask God for mercy. He'll give you mercy. That's, and it's in his mercy that he even allowed me to teach you this. Praise God. If, let me be finishing. I've talked a lot today. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah. The place has been quiet. Okay. I've taken today's sermon like it's a Bible school, by the way. A few, oof, okay, 10, 15 minutes will be done. There are certain spirits in the Bible which are actually even named. I'll just show you a few so that you just see certain things. Give me Hosea 5 verse 4. We've already mentioned heaviness, infirmity, fear, bondage. Look at Isaiah. Um, and maybe what I can do, uh, if you want, and if some of your leaders talk to me nicely, I prepared this not so well. So maybe I might, I might just, we might just send them through. So that, because they are very well arranged. Some mentioned in the Bible, I'll just show you. Hosea 5 verse 4, give me from the um, Amplified. Ah, God, I'm feeling, now I'm feeling a freedom in my heart. Like I've been holding these things back for a while. For those who are joining us for the first time, I'm usually nicer. <laughs> Hosea 5 verse 4. It says, their doings will not permit them to return to their God. For the spirit, I said the king, I meant the king, I wanted the King James. There's a word used. But for the spirit of whoredoms, or as it said here, halotry is within them. So there's actually a spirit of halotry. There's a spirit of prostitution. There is a spirit of prostitution. It exists. It's there. No. Maybe hold myself back. You know one way it manifests? Can manifest in dress code. Uh, Proverbs Proverbs chapter 7 verse 10. I'm just teaching the Bible, guys. I'm just, I'm just teaching the Bible. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 10. And it says, and behold, give me from the NKJV. It says, and behold, there was a woman that met him with the attire of a harlot 
and a crafty heart. A harlot is a prostitute. So I mean, even scripturally, it's recognized that there are certain dress codes that are associated to certain behaviors. I look, guys. Um, here's my biggest, biggest, biggest thing that I'll say, and it's said with a crafty heart. So I'll, 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 let me just be frank and say there are some people who may dress decently, but they're not doing the right things, and then there are others who may not be dressing decently, but they don't have bad intentions in mind. It's just all they know. Okay, so I'm just putting it out there. But here's something. Uh, but now they know. But now they know. So. But here's the thing. Here's the thing I'll tell you. And I'll be very frank about it. Um, there are some dress codes which it's, it's, be, it's not even about looking nice. There are some people who are literally just dressed to kill. Uh, like. Yesterday, I was getting something by the store at night, and I was in shock. Um, there were a bunch of, they looked very young, to be honest. And the ladies didn't look very dressed. Somehow, the men were all very dressed up, so no one gets to see anything. And they were outside a club, and they were all just dancing and the ladies were dancing very seductively for the men. And in my head, I'm thinking, God, I need to preach to these people. They're embarrassing themselves. They are. They're exposing their nakedness just like that. For the whole, anyone else, the security guards were there just being entertained, watching. Everyone could just see everything. If, now, if that becomes an addiction, that could be spiritual. I, listen, the biggest thing you should love about yourself one of the biggest things is your decency that's the proverbs 31 and that's why and that's why we need some of you to become powerful decent fashionistas where you're inspiring fashion where where you inspire the world to dress well without exposing things unnecessarily i don't know if you're hearing me but i'm telling you that's how we can manifest I feel like I've talked a lot today. Um, there's... Oh, it manifests even in men. Any person with a skirt, they undress. Any person with a... That's, that, that's a spirit of whoredoms. And when we are done today... I'm almost done. I've talked a lot. I'm almost done. Give me First Corinthians 2 verse 12. There is what is called the spirit of the world. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. Give me Galatians 5 verse 20. Amplify it. Amplify Galatians 5 20. I'm moving a bit fast. The Bible says, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions. Have you, I wanted them to read it. Galatians 5 20, amplified. Dissensions. What's after Dissensions. Okay, next one. First uh, John 4, verse 3. First John 4, verse 3, you see the spirit of the... I won't say anything about that one. First John 4, verse 3, you see the spirit of the Antichrist. This is the one that puts people in a place where they just hate the things of God. Anything to do with God, they hate it. 
Someone just decides in their heart, I just hate pastors. I just hate church. I just hate Christianity. That's the spirit of the Antichrist brewing. In short, the person is being the Antichrist minions. Now, if you want to be victorious in spiritual warfare, here are a few S's that you must follow. Number one S is submit. Please get this, but I did all those explanations so that I should explain this. I just felt for a long time, and I don't know if you agree with me, for a long time when it comes to these demonic areas, we've usually just touched the surface. And sometimes when we just touch the surface, the trouble is out of your curiosity, you go Google or you go hear it from someone who might confuse you. So I thought I should be the one to just tell you how some of these things work. I hope you're okay with that. You are, eh? Pastor Cho, you're fine with it, eh? Seven S's of spiritual warfare. Number one, submit to God. James 4 verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, submitting to God means you come under his lordship. Firstly, through salvation. Secondly, through the leading of the spirit. And thirdly, through submitting to what the word of God has said about you. So I'll give you an example. If you walk about with the mindset that there is a freedom you can never have because of certain things you did, that's not submitting to God. That's submitting to a lie. But then if you walk about saying, because of what Jesus did, notice the gospel shifts their attention from you to Jesus because none of us were able to pay back for our sin. No one could pay back. So if you focus on, because of what Jesus did, I now walk in victory. You have won the victory. You have won it all for me. If you submit to his lordship, submit to the leading of the spirit, and submit to the word, what happens? Automatically you can resist the devil. And when you resist him, he flees. Praise God. When you resist him, he flees. Somebody say, I submit myself, I submit myself to, God to God and to the word of his grace, of his grace which, is which is able to build me up and give me an inheritance, me an inheritance among, the among the saints. Say, I love the word. I love, I love the precepts of the word. I love the laws of the word. Amen. So submit to God. Number two, be very spiritual in the way you think and the way you do things. Romans 8, 7, we're taught to be carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. We're advised against being carnally minded, viewing everything from a carnal perspective. And when you read Mark 9, verse 28, Mark 9, 28, there's a demon that they were trying to cast out, and you'll notice the disciples asked privately, saying, why couldn't we cast this one out? And he replied, this kind cannot be driven by anything except by prayer and fasting. That's verse 29. So that means that they, there are times where you have to employ spiritual tools to deal with certain matters. And so Jesus talks about living a life of prayer and fasting. In essence, he's emphasizing being a spiritual person. Being a spiritual person. And if I'm not mistaken, we're fasting this week, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're fasting, right? From six hours to 18 on each of the days. Yeah. 
Why, why can't I get a louder amen? And remember, he who looks at the shawarma last fully. Has already eaten it in his heart. But nevertheless, you know what? There's a scripture I found which made me laugh. Did you see the scripture where Peter was hungry? And then the Bible says, as they were preparing food, you was praying. I think he's the one who started it. Eh? For where when the fast is about in Maka, Tarabash, Sataka, Eh, Wafaka Spice, Shekonta. Seventeen fifty nine. Father, I thank you. Microwave on. <laughs> Lord, I bless you. <laughs> You're a faithful God. Ile kwala fye eighteen fork and knife. And then you realize that your watch. <laughs> you realize your watch was ahead by two minutes. <laughs> Who's ever been there where you give yourself a new rule? Where it's almost midnight and maybe you're fasting from midnight 15 and it's almost midnight and <laughs> you somehow forgot to eat. You dozed off. Woke up at 24.01. And then you're just standing by the kitchen like, what do I do? And then you remember how much God loves you. And you start... Before I broke my fast, <laughs> you were singing over me. <laughs> Anyways, since the Lord loves me, I'll start at midnight 34 and <laughs> I'll break at 1534. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so be spiritual. Believers were meant to be spiritual beings. That's why when when you tell someone, oh, that situation, I'll go pray about it. You should actually go pray. Because we are spiritual beings. Hey! That's why even the overnight we're having on Friday. The ministrations, I think, are ending like at 1 or one thirty somewhere. The rest of the time, we're just praying. The whole time, we're just praying. If you've never prayed before, you pray. Then what happens when you, when you feel like you're done praying, you continue praying. Then when you don't feel like praying, you pray about it. You say, Father, I don't feel like praying, so I'm praying about it. Okay, let's, let's, let's wind up. So be spiritual. Be sober and alert. You know what that's talking about? That's First Peter 5.8. Be observant. Sometimes be able to tell someone, this isn't right. This feels like there's an issue here. I need to go and deal with something in the spiritual realm. Be able to tell when something is just not normal. Have some discernment. Be able to tell. Be sober. Be aware even of your own self. Be able to tell, mm, I've been a little too discouraged right now. I need to do some warfare. And you know the warfare you do when you're discouraged, right? I've got joy. Joy, joy, joy. That's your serious warfare. <laughs> Flow. <laughs> okay. Number four. I've got three more. 
be a scripture machine. Every time Jesus was tempted by Satan, what did he answer? It is written. It is written. It is written. Be a scriptural machine. And notice, just, just look at the way he, he dealt with it. Look at it. Look for. Very quickly, I want to show you something here. Look for. Let's read it very quickly. Aha. Uh-huh. Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Let's continue. Let's be very fast on this one, eh? And being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Some people think he was only tempted on the last day, right? <laughs> and in those days, he ate nothing. And afterwards, when they ended, he was hungry. That seems to suggest there were other temptations before the last one. Aha. Uh-huh. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Notice how Satan works. The moment Jesus was told, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The first temptation is if you are the son. He will always try to get you to question what God has said. Okay. For it is written, and Satan was quoting scriptures. Yeah. Far be it for me that Satan knows more scriptures than you. <laughs> and says, for it is written. Satan was preaching. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. No, uh, it is written. Hmm, you went first. That wasn't Satan. So verse 3. Oh, the quoting was the next one, right? Yeah. Let's go. Verse 4. Jesus answered, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, right? Next verse. So he gave a logos. Logos is the written word. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Uh-huh. So he, he had a vision from Satan. Just because you always dream prophetic dreams, they mean you believe all the dreams you have. Sometimes that's where Satan will now take advantage, saying, this person believes their dreams more than the Bible. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. Uh-huh. Verse 7. Therefore, if you worship before me, all will be yours. Uh-huh. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, sent him on the pinnacle of the temple. He was he literally in a trance now. It, it may not even have been a trance. He was translocated by Satan. <laughs> and he said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Uh-huh. For it is written, now Satan is preaching to him. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. Psalm 91. And in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Literally. <laughs> Very powerful verse. And Jesus answered and said, It has been said. Some of you know what I'm talking about. He shifted from Logos to Rema. That's a story for another midweek. He shifted from written to prophetic. Because now he was, he was giving the declaration of the now prophetic word. That's why he said, now it has been said. Be a scripture machine. Do my scripture boxing with your friends and stuff like that. Which brings us to the next point. Be skillful with the prophetic word. Like I say, Jesus said it has been said. First Timothy 1 verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son. 
Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So warfare, those prophetic words you are given are warfare. And then the sixth one, which is the penultimate one. Speak in tongues a lot. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The, wisdom, the hidden wisdom of God, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul is explaining something. There is a language that we have, which is mysterious to the enemy. Doesn't know how it works. We speak a hidden wisdom through words that can't be uttered physically. And if you keep going on, we're even told words that the Spirit of God gives. And Satan can't calculate them. Doesn't know what they are. Doesn't know what they mean. Be having sessions where you're just speaking in other tongues. Someone will be saying, Pastor, I don't speak in other tongues today. <laughs> if you don't want to join foundation class, by the time we're done, you'll be the one laying hands on people to speak in tongues. And finally, have a, develop a superiority complex over Satan. First John 4 verse 4. Look, to beat him, you have to develop that mindset that you're bigger than him. Because you are. First John 4 verse 4. It says, you're of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Never forget that. You are greater you are bigger than Satan. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. 1 John 5 verse 4. And it says, come on, you know this one, 1 John 5 4. I know you know it. Whew, I've taught today. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. That has overcome the world. Our faith. The victory is right here. We know it. And what's the victory? Our faith. Someone asked, uh, how come it takes you a short time to cast out demons? How can you start, how can I start casting demons out in a short time like you? Can I tell you my answer? Forget the time. Just care about the person being free. If it takes you 24 hours, as long as the person is free, the rest will come care more about the person being free than about the time. Because it's not a show. It's about the person being free. I would rather, I would rather spend 10 hours on somebody and they are free than just do one minute and they are not free and it's for sure. So I don't really care about the time. That's my answer. Now, ladies and gentlemen, have you been taught? I would have easily broken this one into two sermons, but then next week we have the anniversary service. So I thought I needed to finish this. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're praying. So we're doing midnight again, Monday, Tuesday. Then Wednesday, we're meeting together to pray. And uh, we'll be done with service. We'll be done with that aspect of things. So I want to just make a request for any person who's not born again. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, this is the moment. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus, this is the moment.
It's only him who can save you from the snares of Satan, from the horrors of hell, and to also grant you his heavenly dwelling. And here's one thing I'll tell you. From what I explained earlier, you're much better submitting to his lordship, right? It doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter where you've done. The first step is to submit to the lordship of Jesus. Some of us may have started off on the right path, but we lost our way somewhere. And perhaps we want to return and return and just receive the mercies of God and just be restored to the faith. If you're in that position, any of the two that I've talked about, I want you to raise your hand up high and I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. Don't doubt yourself. Don't say, oh, do it for my seat. Just the Lord is calling you. So just raise your hand and raise it high. I'll give you a minute. Come and give the Lord a hand. I'll make one more appeal. Is there anybody else? Perhaps you'd like to confess Jesus as Lord or you'd love to rededicate your life to God. If there's anybody else, please come. Please come. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Please come. Wonderful. Is there anybody else? Okay. Wonderful. Lift your hands, please. Is there somebody else? Okay. Wonderful. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess you as my Lord. Amen. Keep your hands lifted. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, receive the Spirit of God. Receive the Spirit of God today. Jesus' name. Could we just lay hands on each of them very quickly? Now, everybody else, I would like you to take a minute or two and just pray. Pray. Take charge of your life. Declare in the name of Jesus, I'm in charge of my affairs. Rebuke what needs to be rebuked. Command what needs to be commanded. Take a minute and just declare. Speak. Pray. Take a minute and just pray. Take charge. Now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for you all. In Jesus' name. I stand as a servant of God. And I declare in the name of Jesus that your time to walk in freedom is now. No more bondage. No more oppressions. I come against every oppression against your mind. Every oppression against your heart. Every oppression against your body. Any oppression against your circumstances. I stand as a servant of God and I declare that you walk in freedom. You walk in independence. You have the freedom to make choices. You have the freedom to set your own path. Any foul spirit that's been stubborn, 
that's been stubborn right now i speak as a servant of god and i bring it into subjection of the law of god that you are free in the name of jesus anyone who's had any any form of oppression i lift up my hands now and in the name of jesus i rebuke it in jesus name you walk in freedom for the days of your life you walk in freedom in the name of jesus you are victorious in jesus name in jesus name amen amen oh wow what a service i have been so blessed and i know you have been too May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook 